just as we open up today, I just want to say, like, if you think Revelation has been hard to understand so far, take yourself some Saturday evening down to the SSA Arena uh, and go to a Belfast Giants game. I had not a clue what was happening. One minute they're on the ice, then there's four boys go off the ice, then there's now four boys on the ice, then there's four off the ice. I have no idea. It was the greatest game of sports ball I ever did see in my life. Not. Uh, right. Revelation uh, 18 and 19. We see the great Babylon fall. That is what this is about. We are witnesses to the fall of Babylon, the great city. And this great city, Babylon, has become a symbol. And this is really important that we understand this because even though it was a marathon of a reading, uh, a lot of what is contained in 18 and 19 are, are the same concept about Babylon. And Babylon has become a symbol of human pride, power, and corruption. That is what Babylon represents. And as we read this passage today, and as we study this passage, we may be tempted to think it is distant or irrelevant to us, or that it's some cryptic code that needs to be deciphered, and only certain people can decipher this cryptic code. That is not what it is. This is a timeless message. These words that we find in Revelation are timeless. They are as relevant to us sitting here today in Rothfriland as they were to the first readers in the first century when this letter was read aloud to the churches. And they are both sobering and comforting. Let me read just the beginning of that chapter 18 again. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her passion, of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from power, from the power of her luxurious living. What we see here is this dramatic announcement of judgment upon Babylon. The angel that we see is not a minor figure, we're told here. The angel has great authority, whose glory illuminates the earth. His voice is not a whisper, it's a, it's a mighty cry that echoes through the universe. His message is not vague or ambiguous, it is clear. It is a forceful declaration of the reasons why Babylon has fallen. And so today, let's look at this in the context of this Babylon being symbolic for worldly power, worldly corruption, and worldly living. That's what we're looking at. The fall of that. That's what we're going to see today. And so this is the end, uh, and one of those songs that we sang there, had, had, and this, is, this wasn't planned, but it had the words joy, and in, in in Jesus is the joy of the whole earth. And what we see in today's passage is the fall and destruction of false joy, of false greatness. Last week, I, I dipped sort of into 18 a little bit, 
And at the end, at the conclusion of last week, we hear a, a, a voice from heaven tells God's people to come out. You remember, if you were here last week, I, I, used, I, I talked about coming out of the wor- worldliness and coming away from worldliness uh, before God gave this command to come out, before the judgment on Babylon. Verses 7 and 8 describes Babylon as she glorified herself and lived in luxury. So give her like a measure of torment and mourning. I sit as a queen. I am no widow. Mourning I shall never see. That's the cry of Babylon. She thinks she has it sussed. The world thinks it has it sussed. It has this whole game gamed out. It knows how to deal with life. It is the answer to all of life. The world is saying, I, this is the way. She thinks she's great. She thinks she has peace. She thinks she's in control, but she is not. She is not. Babylon is not in control. Look at the speed of the judgment that comes upon her in a day. In a day. The remainder of the chapter, this is shortened to an R. It's mentioned three times throughout the rest of the chapter. So she thinks she is secure. She thinks she has it sussed. She thinks she's in control. But like that, it's over. She is judged and she falls. And falls suddenly. Verses 9 to 19 describe the reactions of her judgment to those who have been associated with her. Kings of the earth, merchants of the earth, shipmasters of the earth. Those are the three categories we see of people who have been associated with Babylon. And these verses tell us about their reactions to it. We have three types of people here who weep and mourn and wail at the fall of Babylon. They fear because they fear that they will be cast down with her. They they fear that they will face the same judgment that Babylon faced. So they are said to all stand far off. The first two, in fear of torment. That is, fearing that they they too will suffer the same torment that Babylon faced, the world faced. These three types of people all had false joy false joy. Consider what they had. Think about what they had. The kings of the earth indulged in her sexual immorality and lived in her luxurious living. Verse 9, the merchants grew rich. Emily read a list there of, of things that they were they were, they were selling, and include gold, silver, jewels, pearls, expensive clothing, ivory, carving, spices, wine, the finest food, military equipment, slaves, all those things. They were selling, and they had grew rich, but they were going to lose it all. One commentator said the Greek words uh, here used mean bright and radiant. What they had was glitz and glamour. And it went like that. 
everything lost. The shipmasters and all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. So what we have here in these three categories of people are this. Wealthy, powerful, satisfied, happy. Wealthy, powerful, satisfied, happy. They all think they're great. They all think they have it gamed. They all think they have this sussed. But in every single case, their joy was false. Their sense of greatness was false. Their security was false. You see, in a reality, these verses could be seen as a fulfillment of of the likes of Psalm 46.6. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. Like that. 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed like that. Remember 18.4 last week, as I say, this voice from heaven says, come out of her, my people. lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Folks, this is not an empty threat from God. It's not. If we were to go back to the letters, back to the the original letters to the churches in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the letters from Jesus to the seven churches, there Jesus says large parts of the church are in danger of sharing in the plagues that were seen here in Revelation 18 and 19 because of their delight in worldly comforts. This is most obvious in the letter to Laodicea. And it sounds desperately close to what we see in Babylon. Jesus says this. These are scary, scary words. Jesus says this to the church, to the church in Laodicea. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those who, listen to this, listen to this. Now, this all sounds 
this all sounds terrible thus far, right? This all sounds terrible thus far because the reality is that, that we're all sitting here today, all of us, and we all, I'm sure, like nice things. And we all could be considered to be living. I've used a statistic before. I think we're in the top 3 4% of the world's most wealthy nations. We all could be considered to be living luxurious lives. And it sounds terribly judgmental so far. But listen to these words from Jesus to the church in Laodicea. Those whom I love, I reprove. and discipline. So be zealous and repent. That is the call of Jesus Christ on the church of the West today. Stop numbing ourselves with the things of the world. Look at, look, at the globe, look at the globe right now and see where the church is thriving. It is in places where the, the luxurious living is not a thing. This call comes from Christ just as it came to the church in Laodicea. It comes to Cornerstone Church today. Open your eyes. See what's important. See what's actually important and live in that. Let me ask you a question. How strong are the appeals of the world to you? How strong are the appeals of the world and what the world offers to you? And are you being numbed by it? I was honest with you last week about my struggles and about how the fact that I go on Instagram and look at Lamborghini Euruses and think that that's what I would like. And I do it, and I do it regularly. But how strong are those appeals? What ties do they have to us? Is that what we're, is that what we're pursuing? Is that what we're going after? Is that what we're spending our lives running after? God would say to us today, I genuinely think God would say, Christ would say, the Holy Spirit would say, open your eyes. Open your eyes. See what's important. We need to evaluate ourselves. See what's important. There is a stark contrast between chapter 18 and chapter 19. And the stark contrast is this. The kings and the merchants and the shipmasters wail and lament in 18. They have seen the great judgment that has come upon the great prostitute, uh, but, but what, uh, and the multitude in heaven rejoices at the same sight. Think about that. The, the, the shipmasters and the kings and, and, and those here on the earth, they're weeping and wailing 
Uh, and here we have these other ones, the, 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 the heaven, those in heaven are rejoicing at the same thing. Why is that? After this, chapter 18, after this, or chapter 19, after this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just, and He has judged the great prostitute who has corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on those on her the blood of the servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke goes up forever and ever. Just pause there, by the way. Did you, did you hear what I just read? Those in heaven who have been crying out for God to avenge them, for God to justify them, are rejoicing at the burning of those who persecuted them. God has judged, and His people rejoice. How often is that not the case for us? How often do we question God's judgment? How often do we think, oh, is this just? Is this right? Is God right? Is God just? What we see here is rejoicing at the judgment that God has brought upon those who persecuted the saints. The point is, the prostitute thought she was great. Babylon thought she was great. She thought she was secure. She thought she would never mourn. The merchants thought they were great, thought they were rich, thought they had it made, thought they were secure. They all thought God was under their control. That, that's the reality. They thought God was under their control. They thought they could manipulate the system to get what they wanted so that they could use it on themselves and maybe occasionally nod at God. Do we do that? Do we use God as some sort of like is it a piñata? Is that right? Am I right? You know the thing you smack? Am I right? Because I could have said something totally different there and got that completely wrong. Like a, I can't even think of something stupid to say. Uh, do we use God as this like piñata when we, we beat Him and we want the good things to fall out of Him, but, but we live and we, we live for everything else? We can't have one part of God and not take all of Him. See, the reality is, they thought God was under their control, but God shatters, shatters that illusion. There is no, we're told, there is no salvation anywhere else, not in earthly accomplishments, not in earthly power, not in earthly wealth, not in human relationships. There is no glory anywhere else. There is no power anywhere else, only him. That's the point. 
That is true greatness. God has judged the prostitute. He has avenged the blood of his servants. And once again, God shows that he answers the prayers offered in Revelation 6 by his servants under attack. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And remember, if you go back, he says, after a little while. This is it. This is it. And the multitude cry out, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Jump ahead to, to verse 10 of chapter 19. This message gives John so much joy, right? This message of judgment and, and God judging Babylon and Babylon falling and, and, and God bringing her to an end, this gives John so much joy that look at what he does in, in verse 10. Then I fell down, this is John to the angel, then I fell down to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. John is so overwhelmed here with joy and, and thankfulness that what does he do? He does what every single human being is tempted to do. Worship man. Worship man. He falls down and wants to worship the angel, and, and, and the angel says, no, 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 no. Don't do that. No one is great apart from God. No one is mighty apart from God. No one is sovereign apart from God. And the angel reminds John, don't look to anything else apart from him. These are words that I always, always use in a, in a wedding. You might think that's strange. But if I'm doing a wedding, these are always words I refer to. Always. Because what we have here in Revelation 19 is the marriage of, of Jesus and his bride, the church. And marriage is supposed to represent that. Marriage is a, just a, wee, just a wee side note here for all you married couples out here. Mar this is going to be controversial. Right? Marriage is not simply for your happiness. Do you look confused? Marriage is not simply for your happiness. Marriage is God intended to be a picture of his marriage with the church. That's primarily, I would say, what it is for. And so, I use these words in a wedding ceremony to say this. When John falls down and goes to worship the angel, that is exactly what we are tempted to do when we are married or in any relationship. We are tempted to worship the other one. Now, for some of you, that has well worn off, all right? 
well worn off. You're well past the worshiping stage. All right? But when, when, that's why I use it at weddings, because it'll last for about three weeks roughly, right? But that's what we're tempted to do. You know that's true. You know it's true that we are tempted to worship things that are not God. Like, again, very simple illustration. But last night, right, we were at that sports ball game in the SSE arena thing, right? And there was a, one section, right? There was one section to our left of very special people. I hope none of them are watching online. But very special people, right, who stand up in the corner and sing all night, basically, right? And start the chants and all, right? And they did look special, to be fair. But they were up there, right? And they sang all night. And they were beating their drums, and their hands were in there, and they were waving flags, right? Now, what does that look like? Worship. We don't do flags here, all right? But, no, we're never going to do flags here. That's just, uh, as long as I'm the pastor, never having flags here, all right? Not happening. Sir, not happening. Uh, uh, we're not doing it, right? But it's worship. Hands in the air, voices raised, flags waving, worship. Right? I at one stage started to sing a Man United song just to confuse things. <laughs> but it's worship. We are tempted as human beings to worship what is not God. And John gets his attention focused again by this angel. Take your eyes off things that are not God and place them on God. Do not worship man-made things or man himself. This is a problem for Christians. Let me tell you why it's a problem for Christians. We work today in the church. There is a thing called celebrity status where we worship at the altar of celebrity pastors. And it is not right. It is not right. We idolize and worship these big names that are out there. And it's just not right. I genuinely think if, if this angel was around today, he would say, no, 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 don't worship that. Keep your eyes fixed on God, not those whom He has sent. This angel is one whom He has sent. Don't worship Him. Worship God. Take your eyes off celebrity pastors. Take your eyes off whatever it is. If you're on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is you're following, whatever it is you're listening to, it's all good. But don't worship it. Don't worship it. The message is loud and clear here. Take your eyes off man-made things. Take your eyes off whatever is not God and place them on God Himself. What is true joy? What is true joy? So we have the fall here. What we see in Babylon, we have the fall of false joy, false greatness. What we see then in Revelation 19 is true greatness, God. 
But what is it for us to have real joy instead of false fleeting joy that we saw those three characters have, those, those kings, those merchants, those seafarers, what, that was false. What is it to have true joy? What is it to have true joy? Well, it's this. We rejoice and have joy in the fact that God has won the victory. And it is only His opinion of us that matters. We rejoice in the fact that God has won the victory, and that it is only His opinion of us that matters. What we see here is true joy, in, and when we go back to see this, this, I love these words, both great and small, that are used in Revelation. Because that, the reality is, God shows that even though His people looks in, like these were the most persecuted people on the planet, the most downtrodden people on the planet, they looked insignificant. Although they looked weak, they looked like the foolish things of the world. They looked like they were most to be pitied, as Paul said. Although they looked ignorant, although they looked out of touch with reality, although they looked like they would fall away, they were the ones who had real joy. They were the ones who saw the true reality that God is in control. They were the ones protected by the true power, the power of God. They were the ones who knew true wisdom in God. They were the ones who were headed for an honor that they did not deserve. And that brings joy. That brings joy. Verses 5 to 10 of chapter uh, 19. God's servants, again, both small and great, worship Him, praise Him. This idea of small and great is just, it's all throughout Scripture. But Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, not many of you are wise. Imagine, imagine Paul, this is, this is like Paul writing to us, right? This is just imagine Paul writing to us, and he says this. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many, some. Not many, some. Not many of you are powerful. Not many of you are of noble birth. But God chose what was foolish in the eyes of the world to shame the wise. Not many of us were wise in a worldly sense, but some were. Not many of us were powerful in a worldly sense. Maybe some are. Not many of us were of noble birth. Maybe some are. You see, you may be great in the eyes of the world. You may be insignificant in the eyes of the world. Neither matters. Neither matters. That is the glorious good news of the kingdom of God neither matters. What matters is, whose slave are you? Are you a slave to the world? Or are you a slave to Christ? You're one or the other. Are you a slave to the world? Or are you a slave to Christ? Christ. 
we can get that place, folks, and I 100% believe this with all my heart, if we as individuals could get to a place where the only opinion of us that matters was the opinion of God, we would be the most joyful people on the planet. If we could get that place where the only opinion of us that mattered was the opinion of God, we would be the most joyful people on the planet. And we would have the most peace. And this is where I've been thinking about this theme of peace, and I, I mentioned it as I opened up this morning. Real peace is found there. Real peace is found there. I, I guarantee you, right? And I, I'm, I'm, if I, I look, I, as I look down on you on a Sunday, sometimes I wish I could take a wee, a wee video just to see, just so you could see it. It's random. But anyway, as I look down on you on a Sunday, my, my heart breaks a wee bit. I'm just being honest. My heart breaks a wee bit because I know the vast majority of you are struggling full stop. The vast majority of us, me, were struggling. And I honestly think the vast majority of the struggle comes from not knowing what God thinks of us. And if we could just see what God's opinion of you is, you would have peace. How can we drown out all the other voices? How can we drown out the voices of Instagram and the voices of TikTok and the voices of Facebook and the voices of our own heads that tell us we're not whatever? We look to Jesus. We look to what He did for us. We look to what He gave for us. We look to what He accomplished for us. And there we find peace. There we find peace. So if you're anxious this morning, look to Jesus. If you're depressed this morning, look to Jesus. If you're worried this morning, look to Jesus. Whatever it is, look to Jesus. Look to Christ. The song, first thing this morning, don't know why, the song, It Is Well, came into my head. And we sing that, we sing that song, we sing that song because we think, I, I think we think it's just solely like for trials. And we're going through really hard stuff. And we sing it and we love it. But I just want to read it to you. And if you're feeling anxious or stressed or depressed or whatever it may be, listen to these words. 
Listen to these words and take them in. Take them in. When peace like a river. Who doesn't want that? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, not just in trials, in good times, in difficulty, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. There we're looking to Jesus again. My favorite verse. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's peace. That's peace. Take that in. And Lord, haste the day. Bring it on. Bring it on when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. And the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. That's peace. That's peace. That's rest. That's security. That is it. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Everything else will pass away. Let me summarize chapter 18 and 19 for you everything else will pass away. Christ is the only thing that matters. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks, that it, 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 your word is powerful, and it changes us through the Spirit. Father, I pray today, you would change us. Give us peace that only you know how to give. Help us to take our eyes off the things of this world and place them on you. And give us peace. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make His face shine upon us. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon us and give us peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.